What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. We're back weekly, hopefully. Who the hell knows? It's coronavirus times. You never know when you're going to have the most productive day of your entire life, unbothered. You don't have to worry about a commute. You don't have to worry about coworkers. You can do nothing but focus on your work, or you can start drinking at 12 p.m. Who knows where the way these do? This is like the Russian roulette of moods. Some days, most productive day you ever had in your entire life. Other days, just you wake up and you're like, well, fuck this. And no one's going to get, no one's mad at you. Who the fuck is checking in? And so it just becomes, oh, fuck this for the entire 24 hours. But the point is, we're here now together and we've got some big news. The first story, Schiff and Flynn. Let's talk about this guy. Uh, Are you guys enjoying the Flynn almost release? They teased the release. He was nearly released. Then he wasn't quite released. Um, But I think he will be released. And I don't think there's enough crow being eaten. That's my. I think they need to end the lockdown just so that we can go back to only talking about the Russia non-collusion. Let, let's go all... Remember when that was boring? Remember when there was so much talk about Russia collusion that we got bored of that? Well, let's go back to being bored of that thing. Let's get back all on board on that topic because, I, I, I mean, I want to see people start eating some fucking crow. I want celebrity chefs. I want to see Gordon Ramsay start the new, hey, I'm cooking up crow and I'm feeding it to the people at CNN show. That's what I want to see. Like, when does Schiff walk naked so that we can shame him? When is when do we get that scene like out of uh 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 fuck you know what I'm just gonna stutter for the next couple minutes instead of doing a podcast I'm just gonna spend the next four minutes stuttering um Game of Thrones when do we get to shame uh Schiff like the scene from Game of Thrones when do, when do we get to do that and when does CNN apologize when do I finally get my fu- like when are massive amounts of people gonna get fired you know Schiff was over and over going ample and plenty ample and plenty he meant nothing and bullshit when does balloon face ass mouth go hey guys you got me but you, you gotta me cr- give me credit I lied up a storm you gotta give me some points I went out there every day I knew I had nothing and I stuck to my story for two full years. Maybe might have even been longer than two full years. And now here's the best part about the whole thing. As opposed to eating crow. As opposed to apologizing. As opposed to just owning up to, hey, we, we, we spun this story and we took it as far as we could. And uh, guess what? It worked because the Republicans lost the House. And guess what? We kept Trump from uh, doing what the people elected him to do. Uh, we didn't allow him to have the political capital to even think about building a wall. No, we got him stuck uh, dealing with horse shit for two full years because we swung a story. And look, w- w- you know what? It worked. It was a good. Uh, it was a good little game that we played. Do they do that? No. They go. We've got to investigate the revenge plot. This is a politically motivated revenge plot. Uh, it- it's a revenge plot. Sure, it's unwinding our bullshit, and but we can't have that. So. It, that that's going to be the next thing. It's going to be the investigation to investigate the revenge plot. We need to get to the bottom of them getting to the bottom of us when we were trying to get to the bottom of them. And so how are we not done with this fucking charade already? How is this not oh, like, how are they re-spinning this? Like, it's unbelievable, which I'm checked out. I'm so checked out. I, I also, I do like that this came back up. It's almost like the the B storyline of politics that people are starting to get bored with the coronavirus. They're like, oh, let's circle back to this thing for a little while, and then we'll break into Act 3 on how they resolve the uh, coronavirus. But real question here, how is there not some sort of consequence for being wrong? 
that need some sort of consequence for just getting these things completely wrong that needs to exist, even in social circles. Like, the people that were going full, like, the, the, you know the other way Jews had to wear the fucking Jude sticker? The, you, people should have to wear stickers like, I was wrong about Russia collusion. Uh, and I wish I had, like, minions that we, you know, to, to put together the documentary, the, the why CNN owes us an apology documentary. Uh, the best I've come across so far, and we're recording out from the car, I'm drinking warm beers in a hot car. That is the, that's what I bring. When we finally get down to recording, that is the commitment I have to you guys in getting the Run Your Mouth podcast out there, that I will sit in hot cars, I will drink warm beers, I will bring you this podcast every other week, maybe sometimes three times a week on a chaotic schedule. Uh, but Brian Stelter, who I somewhat root for because he's a fat, bald guy who sounds like he's got a half a testicle. And just for being a fat, bald guy lying his way through life, y- 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 I secretly admire it, you know? Um even though his wife's not too pretty. The two of them together look like they run like a porridge factory or something. Like anytime you open up the door, they don't even have sex. They just cover each other in honey and lick each other or something weird. I don't know. I can't tell you what that guy's sex life looked like. Maybe it's real kinky and fun. Who knows? I bet he likes getting his nipples squeezed. I don't know why, but I just, I bet like she just like feeds him cakes and like twists his nipples and then he goes, all right, I'm refreshed. I can get back on CNN tomorrow and lie some more. But you can go look it up. Free Bacon did a good one because he was totally spinning his story like, ah, do we really need to be talking about this nonsense of Russia collusion? And then he did a hypercut of him talking about Russia collusion forever. But it really just blows my mind the extent by which these people can just make things up. Like, I don't know if you guys remember this. This goes uh, a little while back um, down the Run Your Mouth uh, archive. You'd have to go real far back. But back when, uh, uh, oh, I guess we can date it. But back when Charlottesville went down, remember that thing? When all the racists got together because Trump was dog whistling them and they were getting ready to uh, take over the country. Remember that when that incident went down? So... After that event took place, there were a bunch of uh, nice kids in Boston that were putting together a rally. And I don't remember the specifics, but the news went nuts that it was another white nationalist, anti-free speech, whatever the fuck it was. They made up a whole thing that this is the white nationalist trend that's going on everywhere across the country. And while they said that that's what the college kids were going to get to were getting together to do, no one bothered actually talking to the college kids who we managed to get on the Run Your Mouth podcast. And the guy told us that it, it had nothing to do with white nationalism. And it wasn't even something that could be confused for white nationalism. Maybe I could have dipped into my own archives to refresh my memory on what the case was. But I can tell you certifiably the whole claims of what they were saying that these college kids that were up to were bullshit. And... Of course, they never talk to the actual people, it, 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 because they like they, you can't. You, we can't hear from them. If they, if we hear from them, they're going to convince us uh, they're dangerous because they've got racist ideas. And if we allow them to speak, we too will become racist. That's how powerful their words are. And then you ask them, like, no, we're good with everybody. It's like if they were standing outside of a cannibal's home, and they're like, that man. All he's ever said is that he likes to eat people. Not just that, but if we interact with him, he's going to convince us that to be eaten. That's how powerful his words are. This man eats people, and then you finally get him for an interview. He's like, "Dude, I cook soup. I don't know what's up with CNN. They keep saying I like to eat people. I'm not. I'm. I'm actually. I'm cooking soup for a homeless shelter. That's what I do here." And like, how can they get this shit so wrong and just move on with no accountability? It's the place that's supposed to give us information. And then they just get to give us false information and they don't even have to be like, they don't have to cop up to, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking from now on, we need to start keeping score. 
Like like the way they, in baseball, you know, they bring you up and they, they, they'll tell you people's stats. They need to, like, tell people their lying percentage or just how wrong they've been on things in the past. Like, this guy has accurately called one out of a hundred of the last major political events in this country. Um, and now, I, I got to be honest, for this episode, maybe we're going too far down the conservative uh, rabbit hole of information. Maybe I got suckered. I'm telling you straight up for this episode, maybe I've gotten suckered by the conservative media that I'm reading because I find that story, that storyline to be more interesting. And also, I'm not reading through the fucking shift papers. More often than not, you go to the source material and you realize, okay, there's some spin here. I'm not sitting down to read the shift stuff, but apparently, and I'm taking this from the New York Post, there were a lot of people that made statements on the news that there's a shit ton of evidence and that we had reason to be suspect and there's hard evidence. And then when they were testifying, behind closed doors and they had to actually mind their words they were saying oh yeah there's none of that stuff and how are you allowed to just go on the news and lie to that extent it's like behind closed while they're on the news they're going like we know that he was working for the russians trump he actually he is a russian he's so russian he was born russia and he's working with the russians and him and putin they're secretly lovers that that's why they were uh, pissing on each other it's because they they have gay sex together and then in russia they believe that urinating on another person will uh, avoid stds and that's where that whole peace story came from it's because trump and uh and putin are secretly gay Gay lovers and uh, really, Trump. Uh, the only reason he's ever become wealthy is that he could try and become the president and please his lover. Because Trump's the bottom in this, and then they get behind closed doors. And then you know, shifts like, dude, I was listening to you on the news the other day, and that was that was some good spin you had there. That there's evidence that Trump's secretly in love with Putin, and he's doing his bidding, and he's secretly a Russian asset. So uh, I'm just curious to know: do you have you have any evidence for that? And they're like. Well, no. And then Schiff's like, all right, but you're still going to go on the news tomorrow and, you know, say that you do. And like, yeah, of course, man. Next night they're back on CNN, you know, talking about how uh, Trump likes to blow Putin. And that's why we need the fucking scorecards. That's what I want to see. I want to see like, you know, John Brennan, he's coming on to Tucker Carlson and then they're going like, all right, you know, it's hard to believe uh, he currently has a 5% truth rating with over 1000 news appearances uh, claiming that there was Russia collusion. And along the lines of the importance of keeping records, and like I said, we might be going from, hey, just listening to conservative news sources um, to all of a sudden going deep into the conspiracy rabbit hole. But there's this guy, I might have talked about him before. His name is William Engdahl. Uh, I first came across William Engdahl in college. I was writing a paper about General Motors. And I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show. I was writing some some dumb college paper on General Motors, and I'm reading this article about... Uh, I mean, I, I ended up writing like some, whatever. I researched the fuck out of what went wrong with General Motors, um, and I was writing a paper about it for some fucking finance class, and then after, you know, whatever amount of time I spent doing research, I read this one article, and I'm like, man, this article really tells this story, and it's going into the financials, and it's talking about how General, like, it gives this really clear picture about why General Motors was going to go bankrupt, and then I look at the date on this article, and it was two years before General Motors went bankrupt, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And then I just mentally logged the name William Engdahl. Later, I read one of his books. I think it was Myth, Lies, and Oil Wars. Um, and in that book, he was talking, it seemed like, holy shit, this sounds like pure conspiracy talk. But one of the things he was talking about quite a bit was uh, real politic. And it's amazing how the second I need a name, it's gone from my brain. 
I mean, it's incredible. Like I, I, my memory recall for so much information is just there. But then the second I need to recall an important name, it's just fucking gone. And now this point is mute. Without being able to recall this name, there's no reason to continue telling you. <laughs> Who is the guy with uh with real politic who's been the uh the evil war dude in the Pentagon forever? Oh man, whatever. So he was talking about that guy a lot, and it just seemed like it was conspiracy theory until I read more. This is just mute without the guy's fucking name. Jesus, I need better notes when I do this, or just to be less retarded. Or Harrington, where's Harrington when you need him? You know, just poking around on his phone and every once in a while picking his head up with the good Jeopardy facts so that you can stay on track. So, anyways, you got this guy William Engdahl, uh, and I've seen him. Uh, with some really great coverage, and then I've seen him with total conspiracy theory. Like, I, I think he was one of the guys saying that Sandy Hook didn't happen. I think I even, this was the most batshit thing. I think he was saying that the ISIS, like, when ISIS was doing all, like, those beheading videos, that those were actually just uh, taped by, you know, Americans or something, and that they were totally false. So, we're going a little bit down the rabbit hole. Uh, so, I always take this guy with the grain of salt, but sometimes I find the stuff super interesting dead on. But along the lines of keeping records, here's something that this guy claims. Ferguson and his Imperial College modelers have a notorious track record for predicting dire consequences of diseases. In 2002, Ferguson predicted that up to 50,000 people in the UK would die from a variant of blah, 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 mad cow's disease, possibly to 150,000 if the epidemic expanded to include sheep. A total of 178 people were officially registered dead from... Um, the mad cow disease in 2005 Sir ferguson claimed that up to 200 million people worldwide would be killed by bird flu or h5n1 by early 2006 the who had linked 78 deaths to the virus then in 2009 ferguson grouped in a group at imperial college advised the government that swine flu or h1n1 would probably kill 65,000 people in the uk in the end swine flu claimed the lives of 457 people Ferguson and his Imperial College group have a notoriously bad track record for predicting disease consequences. Ferguson was also the source of the wild prediction that 2.2 million Americans would likely die if immediate lockdown of the U.S. economy did not occur. Based on the Ferguson model, Dr. Anthony Fauci of NIAID reportedly confronted President Trump and pressured him to declare a national health emergency. Much as in the UK, once the damage to the economy um, was begun, Ferguson model later drastically lowered the U.S. fatality estimates to between 100,000 to 200,000 deaths. In both U.S. and U.K. cases, Neil Ferguson relied on data from the Chinese government, data which has been shown as unreliable. Neil Ferguson and his modeling group at Imperial College, in addition to being backed by the WHO, received millions from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Ferguson heads the Vaccine Impact Modeling Consortium, I don't know what the fuck that is, at Imperial College, which lists as its funder the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And the Gates-backed Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance from 2006, blah, 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 blah. Notably, the Gates Foundation began pouring millions of, into Ferguson's modeling operation well after his catastrophic lack of accuracy was known, leading some to suggest Ferguson is another science-for-hire operation. And so how, like, this is the importance of keeping records of, you know, who's been right and who's been horribly wrong in the past. It's like you say on the, the news, like, uh, we're going on a model from Ferguson College and keep in mind that this guy has... Uh, run numerous models that have been drastically long and uh, 
led to us pouring resources into bad investments over and over because we thought that there were economic, I mean, health threats that didn't actually exist. So I don't know how we do it, but someone's got to start keeping score. And listen, I'm not going to do it, but I don't know, maybe if you're out there, uh, we can start fundraising the foundation for proving people wrong. That's actually a fun name. The foundation for proving people wrong, where we start keeping score records on uh, people in the news and people on the news frequently quoted as experts and just have it, you know, a definitive track record. And maybe it'll take five years before we have enough of like a, 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 like a complete and full record of these guys being epically wrong over and over. But it's worth the investment because the current system is just complete lunacy. And on that note, if um, any of you out there have any good, um, I guess, articles or know who would be a good guest to explore and break down the Falke, Bill Melinda Gates, Gilead, who connection, because all of these people are interconnected on the positive side. Hey, maybe Bill really wants to give up all of his money or is really interested in vaccines. And the who is the most natural organization for him to work with. And Gilead happens to be the thing that he's invested in. Or the guy wants to make, uh, you know, he lost the computer game to Apple and now he's in the he's still in the fucking He's still just trying to make a shit ton of money, and this guy's a crazy capitalist, and he's good at making money. And so his next play is uh, with this Gilead thing and trying to get these vaccine shots, and he's, you know, working with the WHO and maybe spreading viruses. I think that takes it too far. I don't think this guy is that evil, but... um, Or I honestly think it just seems so crazy to me that someone could be really going out there like, hey, I'm doing this charitable shit, and just behind closed doors being the most evil person uh, in the way that they're trying to profit off diseases, but I'm open to it. So if you know the person who's got the real twisty tail here of how all these characters are connected and wants to lay it out for us in the most evil version, because that's honestly going to be the most interesting, hit me up, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. And now here's one more piece of, and once again, coming from a conservative source, so maybe I'm being the sucker here, but this was from Fox News. Uh, and this is part of the whole Flynn story is whether or not it traces back to Obama. So this is from a Fox News article. Rice wrote that Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, we are mindful to ascertain if there's any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia. She added, the president asked Comey to inform him if anything changes in the next few weeks that should affect how we should how we share classified information with the incoming team. Comey said he would. And now, how is this supposed to work? So you lose, you, you, you lose the government. You know, there's a new elected official coming in. And so, wink, wink, you suspect that he's working with the Russians. So does he suspect that he's really working with the Russians? How much winking was done when he goes, hey, I want this to be done entirely by the books, entirely by the books. Is there a, like, does he really believe that there's a legitimate threat and so, because we should probably investigate that. What evidence did even Obama have to say, hey, there might be a legitimate threat that Trump can't be trusted and that we're handing over the government to a Russian asset and therefore we need to conduct the entire government um, opposing the now elected president because it could be that the entire country was just suckered by the Russians and now the Russians have put an asset and so therefore... We shouldn't respect our own democratic process. We should not respect that a 
the that enough of a coalition of the country voted in this person because he might be representing the Russians, and so therefore we need to make sure that this Rus- Russian threat is contained. And even if he's working towards things that the voting public voted him in for, we still need to slow him down because he might be a Russian asset. Do you understand how that just, to me, doesn't float with, and I'm not a believer in the current democratic system, but if you want to believe that there's some hope, there's some way to wrangle the government by usage of a document called the Constitution and creating some sort of a representative government that actually promotes freedom and promotes, you know, uh, I guess some sort of a fair government system, whatever the fuck your loony idea of our democracy is that in liberty that we were taught in fucking school. If you want to believe that that thing can somewhat exist, how does that, you know, bullshit thing possibly go hand in hand with what Obama did here? The guy's leaving office, the Democrats lose, and he goes, wink, wink. We really got to be careful that this guy's working for the Russians. And so I want everything to be above board, but we need to know how much of a risk this is before we just start handing information to the new elected official. And then I just love that they called this Crossfire Hurricane. You got to love the names they come up with where like, you know, some people are sitting around like, hey, I don't know if this is a good idea. And they're like, well, we're going to call it Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Like, that sounds fucking cool. Let's go with it. And then I could also just imagine Obama sitting there. He's like, uh, so is this uh, going to be more or less illegal than uh, when we're bombing kids in third world countries? And they were like, sir, it's going to be about the same amount of illegal. And he's like, all right, then uh, I'll allow it. Let's do it. And then my last thought about this thing of whether or not this scandal really does go all the way back to Obama is it would be so fun if they managed to bust him for it. Cause there's this weird thing that you just, you don't fuck with Trump. I don't like Trump. Trump's not a good guy, but he's like the devil. He just, he absorbs your power. If you try and oppose him just somehow by some miracle, the guy just ekes out the victory in the end and you just go bye-bye. But isn't that like, it could be that Obama really thought, man, this Trump guy's a fucking buffoon. And I really think uh, there might be some evidence that he's working with the Russians and this is going to be really bad. And then, you know, you just you fuck up. I guess it's the Trump delusion syndrome. People just overstep what they can reasonably do. uh, And then they get they get taken down for it. So, I mean, it would just be funny if I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be funny. Let's talk about the bailouts that are going on. Let's talk about all the money being handed to the banks to make sure that as millions of Americans lose their jobs, at least the banks can, uh, you know, can stay active. So here's what's going on, which is the craziest part about all of the bailouts is that there's intervention in the bond markets. Uh, the the Fed is basically going to start, you know, backing what was fucking junk bonds. Um, they're bailing out BlackRock. That's one of the biggest players in the junk bonds. And it gets rid of all price discovery. We've talked about this before that, you know, the golden asset, the thing that everything's compared to is government bonds. And that's why they don't have to pay you uh, a big interest rate because they're seen as risk free. But if all of a sudden the government starts backing what was really risky and high paying, then it erodes the whole point of finance of risk first reward and figuring out where to allocate your money. It's like banks are incentivized. Go for the riskiest possible thing at all times, because at the end of the day, when it goes belly up, you're going to get bailed out by, by the government. So just make sure that you got money in the riskiest possible investment at all times. And now here's what's wild about it. So you might be wondering, how is it that the Fed 
What is the Fed doing? Like, how are they marketing the way that they're bailing out the banks and specifically this play in the bond market? Well, they're using special purpose vehicles. Isn't that, it's like the, something for little kids. We got a special trading vehicle for you special little boys. You know, usually uh, we don't need special vehicles. Usually the financial market works great and everyone's got the liquidity that they need and everything functions. But sometimes when things get real bad, that's when we have the special vehicle. And you guys want to know what makes the special purpose vehicle so special? It's that it's illegal. That's what makes the special purpose vehicle so illegal. And you, I mean, makes it so special. And you want to know why this thing is illegal? So this is from Wall Street on Parade. Uh, and you can do your own homework on this. But the Fed is allowed to make purchases of any, like, they're not allowed to just purchase anything, let alone junk bonds and junk bond ETFs. In other words, there are um, restrictions within the Fed charter about what they are and aren't allowed to buy, and is not outlined that they're allowed to purchase junk bonds. Um, and so, at least according to the opinion of Wall Street on Parade, feel free to do your own research. It is illegal for the Fed um, to go out and buy things such as junk bonds. So what do they do? They go, well, hey, BlackRock, why don't we just, uh, this shit's complicated, so we'll just give you all the money that you possibly need, and you can just figure out how to bail yourself out. And you want to know if SPVs have ever uh, been used before? The answer is by Enron. If you want to know what we're putting the hands of our economy into, it's special purpose vehicles, vehicles that were so special, um, you know, they helped Enron out a lot because we all know how, uh, how that Enron, it's up and running. I mean, that's a great financial firm to this very day. And if they got by with these special purpose vehicles, then really that's what, that's the thing that we need to salvage our economy is the thing that kept Enron as a financial institution all the way up until 2020. Here's the way special purpose vehicles work. Imagine you had a company in America and it was called the Money Pit Inc. It was the Money Pit Money Pit Incorporation of America and uh like the the Money Pit that it is it it loses money every year. Year after year the Money Pit you put money in the Money Pit you're losing money and pensions. They they like going into the Money Pit and you got power players they run this Money Pit but every year the money money the Money Pit it does what the Money Pit does and you lose money. So all of a sudden, people realize, oh, my God, I got my pension in this money pit, and it's not making, uh, it's lost all this money, and uh, this is going to be a disaster. Financial markets are going to crash. And the Fed's like, dude, I can't fucking give over money to the money pit. It's fucking called the money pit. You think it's going to look good in the papers if I give over money to the money pit? So you know what they do instead? They create the Honorable Liquidity of America Fund. They go, we're going to create the Honorable Liquidity of America Fund, and we're going to fund it with $2 trillion. And with that fund, they're going to go and distribute the funds to the people in need. And then you know what the Honorable Liquidity Fund of America does? It gives it over to the Money Pin Incorporated. That's what it does. It takes the money and it hands it right over. That's what the Fed's doing. The Fed is not allowed to buy ETFs, so they create the special purpose vehicle, and the special purpose vehicle just goes buys the shit that the Fed's not allowed to do. That it, it, It's that fucking simple. Go ahead. Go do your homework. Go research this thing. Go think that because I quoted Fox News, New York Post, and William Engdahl earlier in this episode that I'm a lunatic and I don't know what I'm talking about. There's no way that the scam is this simple, and it is. The Fed, which is already on shaky footing. The Fed, what the fuck is the Fed? The Fed is the private banks that they own, the bank that is allowed to just print money and give it to the government and then get it back on interest. And you know why the thing really exists? Because they want to be able to, uh, firstly, 
they want the monopoly on, uh, no, they want to be able to bail themselves out because they know that they're going to fuck up and they need a way to bail themselves out. And so they got the bank of last resort, which is able to just create money out of nowhere, out of thin air to give it to them when they need to be bailed out. And the other thing is they want to inflate the money supply at a, um, they're colluding with each other. Uh, oh, look, the word collusion's coming back. But in this time, it, in this case, it's actually true. They're working together in that they all want to be able to extend more money than actually exists. And if they can all do it at the same rate with a lender of last resort behind them, which is secretly just them working together, uh, then they can get away with it. And so on top of all that, even with this ridiculous thing called the Federal Reserve, and you can go to other episodes where I probably gave a better explanation for uh, how the Fed works, warm fucking car, warm beer. I'm doing what I can here, people, okay? But on top of all that, even within their charter, this is outside of their charter, and it's not even that creative. They like they didn't even sit down. I, I would have done a better job. If they hired me with the Honorable Fund of America, oh, look, my mom's at the door, like, just staring at me like, what the fuck is my idiot son doing from his car? All right, well, you know what? I'm trying to educate the world about the Fed and how the government's stealing all of our money and they're lying to us and keeping us within this house as if there's some sort of a disease out there. And you're looking at me like I'm the crazy one. Please. If only there was a way to monetize all this knowledge. Maybe some of you guys know how I could. And then here's the last thing that um, on this that I thought was funny. Uh, and this comes from Counterpunch. And I totally don't agree with what they were saying. But they make a decent point. They were... Uh, the, the states, they're states that are going bankrupt and they can't get the funding. And so Counterpunch was saying that uh, they should start... Like states should start setting up their own banks. Because it's easier to get bailed out if you're a bank. And you and I, we, we don't have the power to go start a bank. They're, they'll never let us uh, get in on this racket of federal insurance. They're not going to let it. It's not like you can just start your own bank and compete with them because there's compliance. You know, we got to make sure that if, uh, if you're starting a bank that you're compliant with all of the things that we do for the safety of good Americans and ensuring bank elasticity. And so you can't just start a neighborhood bank and try and give out loans. We can't have that. Uh, but I guess if you're a state, you can probably get away with it because you're a more powerful player than you and I. And while I totally disagree with the concept of state bailouts, it's terrible. I think I talked about it in the in the last episode. But, you know, it's basically bailing out liberal policies that don't work. You got failed policies of giving too much money to unions and pensions and unions being able to donate money to the politicians and then getting good contracts and voting in blocks. It's fraud of epic proportions. And then if the states go bankrupt and then you just bail them out, we never expose the fact that some of these policies not just that some of these policies are bad, it's that they never can work. You're just kicking the can down the road. We can't afford things that we don't have money for. And these people are lying and saying that we can afford it. And now it's finally the bill is coming due. And maybe if a state would fail, then there'd be a reckoning where everyone's like, hey, this doesn't work. We can't just keep paying for stuff. There isn't actually money. They were lying to us in Connecticut, and that didn't work. They were lying in uh, in Illinois, and that didn't work. So even though I'm living in Texas, I know that some of these other, or like on the federal level, like I, I know that there isn't endless money because I just saw two states fail. It's important for there to be some consequences in the system. So bailing out the states, which, by the way, is the newest thing that's going on with the Democrats and their $3 trillion uh, 
you know, new bailout. They're trying to get money to these states that are going under. Um, and it's because they want to hide their ass on uh, the policies that they keep preaching we can afford. And we need some of the some of the bills to come due here so that people realize, hey, the government, this is not sustainable to just print money and pretend like we can afford everything. And sure, it might help you get into office in the short term, but it's not a working system. But anyways, in terms of uh, the the fraud of uh, who's able to get this government money and who is able to get bailed out, I guess that's a fair argument. You're bailing out fucking banks. If you're going to bail out banks, you can't bail out a state. And that's a funny workaround to go, oh, well, all right, you won't give us to us because we're a state, so we'll be a bank. All right, so I do have some other news stories that I would like to get into. Um, but before I do that, I'd like to talk about what's going on with some pretty people. First person being uh, Trump's new press secretary. I don't even know how long that lady's been around for, but she's she's gorgeous. I, I And I'd love to see her just come out and go like, listen, we got rid of the bigger chick. Uh, or, you know, it'd be great. You, you know, she kind of comes, uh, comes out and they got their corporate thing going where she reads through the facts and figures like uh, latest report. There's a thousand deaths here and this is getting better. And we got all the ventilators to those people. I would love it if in that same tone she just came out and told us her beauty regiment, like, all right, I spent most of the afternoon doing my hair, and uh, then, you know, there was some time with the eyelashes, about a half hour on the treadmill to make sure I didn't eat for a whole week so I'd be skinny when I came out here. Uh, they're taping up my butt cheeks so those that will look nice too, and... Uh, I think what would happen is, you know, Trump, he's obsessed with the ratings. He's losing some of the ratings to Fox and CNN because there's a pandemic going on. And he's like, all right, you know, we better get some hot chicks front and forward. We got to rewin this ratings battle. And uh, I like having a pretty person out front and center because if they tell me everything's fine, I just believe them. I'm like, no, you know, because they got that that winning energy. Everything they go, like things are good for this lady, like Sean Spencer and that other lady. When they got off, when they got off, they were bringing bad vibes. When the news story was over, they had to go back to their shitty lives. Spencer was still a mumbling fool. The other one was just hungry. You know what I mean? Like they had bad juju on them because they weren't super attractive. But I bet the second this lady leaves those meetings, like everything is just incredible to her. So she can show up and, you know, like, hey, it's all fine. And it's fine for her. No matter how bad the world gets, she's going to be fine tomorrow. And so she's got like a nice calming vibe. And I bet like, uh, like, you know, even the angriest of reporters, you get some dudes out there, they were showing up and they were going to have like nasty questions, but you know, instead like, Hey, I think, I think you look really beautiful today. I really think, uh, the blouse that you showed up with is uh perfect for these meetings. Uh, and I got some other, uh, random TV related stuff. I saw Megan Kelly, uh, was interviewing, uh, that lady who claimed to be uh, molested, or I don't know if molested is the word, but, you know, the one who was claiming to have the, the shinding with Bl- with Biden. And, you know, like these news people, when they're talking to civilians, they got to like tone down how good looking they are because it goes to Megyn Kelly and she, you know, it, she's glowing. They, they've got lighting on her where she's glowing and she's so attractive. It's like you're talking from an angel from heaven. And then they go to this other person who's lived a tragic life. And she basically next to her, she looks like the clown from Spawn. And I'm not hating. That lady looked way better than I do in my 30s. She was a she was a gorgeous lady when she got molested by Biden. I've never attracted Biden's lover allure because and I'm sure I'm going to, you know, if you're not in television and you don't have the money and resources to look good, you're not going to age well. But 
uh, unless maybe you're actually one of these disciplined human beings. But, you know, we're, we're not one of these people. And they got to get, like, uglier people to be running these interviews because the disparity in the one-two shot of going from the victim to Megyn Kelly, it's cartoonish. Uh, and then just to keep you guys in the loop of what's going on with attractive people, because as the world comes to an end, it's important to know what the attractive people are up to. Uh, so first is uh, Kendall Jenner. She took a lingerie lingerie photo, um, which is big news. You know, usually she'll take the slutty bikini shots, um, but lingerie, that's uh, that's breaking ground. She's never done that before. This is a apparently highly original content from Kendall uh, Jenner. Uh, and personally, you know, if you're going to be already in the lingerie, I want to see a little bit more, you know, like I've already seen, if you're doing the bikini thing, I've already seen the top half. I want to see uh, more of like the garter belt, a little bit of the, uh, maybe more of a standing thing. If you're like, you got to stand up and show off the lingerie. If you're already in the bed, you could be in a cute tank top. It's not going to make a big difference to me. Then there was another headline that uh, Jesse J stuns in a white bikini. I've never heard of Jesse J. And I checked it out, and I'm going to say that uh, I think Stun kind of overplays it. I think this lady got herself a good publicist. The other one that was breaking news was that uh, Haley Bieber Baldwin was in bikini photos, sweat swat, and, you know, they were going nuts that other hot chicks, they they can't look hot when they're sweaty. This was uh, from The Blast, theblast.com, where people go to blast off. Haley, Haley Bieber Baldwin. Here, here, just in bikini photos, sauna sweat model, hot Instagram. And th- that was their take. You know, other hot chicks, they can't look good when they're sweaty. You put a super hot chick with sweaty tits in a sauna, they're not going to look good. But this Haley Bieber Baldwin, she's able to uh, she's able to pull it off. And then the last one was, uh, this was from Yahoo. They were saying Ariana Grande posted the hottest quarantine photo yet. I beg to differ. I think it was just normal. I don't even think Aria Grande looks still good in this. I think whoever her normal makeup artist is, who's probably being quarantined right now, probably needs to help her out. It wasn't that impressive. And so, you know, it's important to keep up with what the pretty people are doing. If you got any tips for us, email us at robsnewsroom at gmail.com. And uh, before we get back into the real news topics, I do got some random things that I want to give a shout out to. First is graham crackers. Uh, I've been having to get real resourceful in, in my snacking game. There, there's no, there's no good cookies up in this quarantine lifestyle. I'm not complaining, you know, of all things that have gone wrong for people. Uh, and if anything, it's challenged me to be resourceful and continuing to remain fat. So I appreciate the challenge and I'm going to rise to the occasion and I'm going to make sure that I continue to get high caloric intake. Um, dude, I forgot graham crackers are fucking versatile, dude. I almost, I'm almost gonna, maybe this is, this is how low my, uh, my cookie game has gone that I, maybe, maybe the second I get out of quarantine, I get back to book cookies. I'm going to regret this statement, but let me tell you the other day I was throwing fluff and peanut butter between two graham crackers. I was basically eating a fluffinator sandwich between two graham crackers. That is simple. That you don't have to bake nothing. That takes about 20 seconds to put together I'll compete that up against a cookie. I'll compete that up against a brownie. You know what else I did? I started experimenting. I was just doing like open face, like an open face sandwich. I was doing fluff on top of a graham cracker with sprinkles. I I think I've been giving, I'm telling you that's a, maybe you can put fluff and sprinkles on a fucking turd and it would be delicious. But I'm beginning to rethink the need for cookie and cakes. I think you can just endlessly experiment with what might go well on top of a graham cracker. 
And it's like a uh, graham cracker makes the best crust on pie. So you can just kind of do that. Other thing I want to shout out is, uh, uh, you know, I, as much as I'm eating these graham crackers, I'm doing prison style workouts all day. I alternate. Here's my, here's my regimen. I'm basically on a three day cycle. First day, I just do as many pull-ups and chin-ups as I can throughout the entire day. The like beginning and end of the day until it gets to the end of the day and I can't even do one, then I'm done. Next day, I'm doing push-ups all day. Every variation. You name a variation on a push-up, I'm doing that thing all day. And then the next day, I basically do squats and I work on my ass. I do all the ass exercises. I want to have a beautiful ass by the time summer comes around. I'm doing, uh, you know, you lie on your side and you're lifting one leg. You lay on the other side, you lift that leg. I'm doing it all. And then on top of that, I get on my stationary bike. But... Riding on the stationary bike, it's not fit that well to me. I'm having, I was having some chafing issues. I hit up my boy Robert from Sheaf. Robert's the man. You can probably go follow his Instagram. He's a fun dude. Uh, but I hit him up and I was like, dude, I'm in quarantine. I didn't take any of my sheaths home with me. I'm having a little problem on my bicycle. And that guy loaded me up. And now I'm all sheath all the time. I'm done with boxers. I've been wearing shitty Fruit of the Looms forever. The quality on Robert, like it, it's, it's just, it's a better quality underwear. Even if you're not going to put your dick in the sheath hole, but I can tell you, if you're riding a bike, you separate your balls from your dick, uh, and it it eliminates any chafing problem you've ever had, and it's the most comfortable pair of underwear you've ever had. Um, I don't have a promo code because he's not a formal sponsor, but I'm shouting him out because he hooked me up. Uh, you can go look up the part of the promo code. You guys listen to that show, and now let's get back to some of the formal news topics that I wanted to cover. And here's the last one that I have for you. Let's talk coronavirus. So let's just kind of recap what's happened with coronavirus. At first, they didn't let other companies create testing kits. Then they botched their own testing kits. And they went, don't worry, we're going to get our testing kits right. And then they spent a month trying to get them, and they ended up with contaminated testing kits. And all while this fucking testing kit shenanigan is going on with the government, they're telling us that if we don't listen to these people we're going to die. It is very important to listen to the experts in government because if we don't, people are going to die. And I want to know who the fuck are we listening to? The people with infected testing kits? How do you even fuck something up that badly? That's like water that makes you thirsty. Kale that makes you fat. How do you have such an epic blunder where you're trying to make testing kits and they're infected? That news story goes back a month. But I was listening to Rand Paul, and he was grilling the the Falky fellow, and uh, we're in the car, so I can't actually play the video. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight is he was talking about how, uh, was it Sweden or Switzerland, that um, they've kind of just been out and about, and their death rates aren't any um, any worse than they are here. Uh, and I, I, I've been saying this for a while. I feel like more localized government is just a better model if you're going to have government because at least we can test different ideas of what works. And that's what's going on here. You got a country. They're separate from us. They get to operate separate from us. They get to make their own rules. And how great is that? If other countries can experiment a different approach and then we can find out that we're epically wrong, 
Like, what? what is better than that? These the singular idiots, they want one central government that makes all the decisions for everybody with zero experimentation, and I think the reason is because they never want to be exposed for their flawed fucking thinking. Because if there's other people that can come up with better ideas, they're going to lose control because people are going to realize, hey, they don't want to compete. It's like, uh, it, it's like having a monopoly over governance that they don't want people, they don't want to be exposed for, hey, I'm lazy and I'm not really bringing good ideas to the table. The other thing that was funny, and you can go watch the video, it's worth watching of Rand Paul uh, grilling Falke and just basically saying, you know, you shouldn't be the the end-all resource on this stuff. And you can check it out. I even have a timestamp here. It's at 538. And even though Falke's not Jewish, he just has the Jewish, Jewish moment where he's like, I, I, me making recommendations. I wouldn't make recommendations. That's not what I'm. I'm just simply a well-paid doctor, and you know, sometimes I give my advice and I shut down the entire country. But I wasn't saying that I know all the information. I wouldn't make claim. Me? You would say me? And then along the lines of state competition, I love that. Uh, Elon Musk is uh, opposing California, and he's like, fuck you, I'm keeping my factory open. It's going to be really interesting to see how many people move out of these cities. I was even hearing uh, Rogan the other day, who was talking about maybe going to Texas, which could be super interesting. Imagine if just, like, celebrities and people with money moving droves out of these states because there's no fucking reason to live in these places with oppressive government and then all of a sudden they don't have the tax dollars for all these promises and then we can expose the fucking shit policies that they have the other one that's interesting is uh florida is just telling all these sports teams like dude just come down here we got you covered it's nothing but old people we're trying to get rid of them anyway so you know come down here play your sports uh but don't forget it. Human beings, we're a form of capital. And if we're going to have government, there's a way that we can make it more localized so that they're competing. They're fucking companies. Make them compete for like if you just have one federal government and they just bail out the worst players like, you know what I mean? Like, let's have some of these fucking dumb liberal states go bankrupt because they had shitty policies. And then let's reward some of the states that have at least uh, been financially a little bit more conservative or they have freer policies. And you might say, hey, the big flaw here is that as all these dumb fucking liberals flock to these red states, they're going to turn them blue and fuck them up. And uh, you know what? You got a good point. I don't have an argument there. I know I was leading in like with the rhythm like I was going to argue, but I'm not. I got nothing for you. Uh, That's it for this week. Uh, Hopefully back next week with uh, more yelling from a car. All right. Bye.